everyone, and welcome to the Tightwad Tech, episode 73, Tech Staffing, How Much is Too Much, recorded November 14th, 2011. This week we're going to talk about something that uh, should be on a lot of people's lips right now with tightening budgets and and, uh, and such, is do you have too many managers and not enough workers? Uh, Sean has collated some numbers because that's the kind of thing he does, and uh, <laughs> so we're going to talk about that today. So, hello, Sean. How are things in the world of number collating? Oh, you know that you know me. I mean, that is the stuff I love. Yeah, give the man and, a spreadsheet. Uh, He's happy for days. Yeah, really. Uh, yeah, give me a spreadsheet and and something, and you know, I will overanalyze it to death. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that certainly comes from my, uh, my management background. <laughs> so yeah, when you're wondering, you know, what that guy in a tie in the office does that you report to, that's usually the type of stuff he's sitting there and, you know, putting numbers together and making up other numbers. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, usually in an effort to justify someone's existence. <laughs> Hopefully it's yours. Right. <laughs> My English teacher in high school, when we were uh, talking about uh, propaganda, we, we did a, a, a unit on that. And I remember her quote was, figures don't lie, but liars figure. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. So what have you got for us this week? Well, I just, uh, one, I wanted to start off with uh, a, a completely useless fact, but uh, I figured in honor of our 73rd show, I, I stumbled upon this and it was another interesting 73. So uh, the uh, you've seen the commercials, right, Mark? The most interesting man in the world? Yes. Yeah, right? He's that he's that guy with the, uh, what is it, the, like Spain, Spanish accent, right? right? The most interesting and, uh, man in super the world super amazing has done everything right that dude's 73 years old wow he doesn't look it yeah i mean he looks he i you know i would put him in his late 50s to around 60 because he's all gray right right but uh yeah so uh this guy uh his name's jonathan goldsmith and uh the spanish accent is is acting well yeah because that's a very jewish name Right, and he was born and raised in New York, so he may very well be Jewish. Yeah, that's fine. Um, which I don't know. The article that I pulled up doesn't say uh, anything like that, but uh, and he's been an actor since the 1960s, and he's been in pretty much every really popular television show from the 60s forward. Um, and it's kind of funny cause he kind of is uh, sort of the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> um, he's been on, uh, the original star Trek series, mission impossible, uh, bonanza, Hawaii five O chips, uh, the A team. I mean, you think of like all the popular, especially the eighties, it seems like seventies and eighties. Uh, he was on all those shows. That's funny. Yeah. So. So there's a, uh, a 73 to go with our uh, 73rd episode. So you're going to do that now for every show from now on? You're gonna you're, Next week you're going to have a 74 tip and after that 75 <laughs> tip? I might. You know, it'd be, I, I don't think I could keep it up too long, but it'd be fun to try. <laughs> that could be interesting. So what's our number of the week, John? Right, right. And, and we should uh, jump in and say that uh, this isn't actually our 73rd episode. Right, it's the 73rd yeah. number. Right, because we did some point uh, five episodes early on, so we've got to be closing in on eighty, I would think, right? Uh, well, you vamp about uh, flu shots theory, and I'll look for you. Okay, yeah. So um, 
uh, I'll, I'll start off with uh, uh, saying that I have been horribly sick the last two days. And I'm, I'm talking about the kind where you lay in bed all day and you kind of go in and out of uh, being uh, coherent and conscious and uh, sweating through your mattress, that kind of stick. You know, basically, I'm assuming it's the flu. And uh, uh, so one, the sacrifice that I make for our listening audience, <laughs> I am pumped up on a double dose of DayQuil and uh, an energy pill to get up for the show. <laughs> so, exactly 80, by the way, 80 episodes. Exactly 80. Okay. This I knew a, we had to be close there. This is our so 81st. we're basically seven ahead of whatever the number is. This is our 81st episode. <clears throat> So, uh, anyway, I'm going to give you my tinfoil hat flu shot theory. Uh, I had the flu shot probably about two months ago. Yeah, same day I did. We got it at the same time. And, right. And I've been and, um And I do it every year, and every year I get horribly sick. So, I, I'm just not getting it. Now, I, I've, I've said that uh, every year I say that, and somebody, some, you know, person that works in healthcare or something says, well, you got the one that was for a certain version of the flu, the one that they've forecasted is going to hit the hardest, right? And uh, so it's either that or the other argument is, um, you know, well, you got it, but it would have been a lot worse if you hadn't had the flu shot. Now, for the second one, I would say if it was any worse, I'd be dead. <laughs> so, so I'm not buying that. And I mean, what good does it do me if, uh, you know, it, to get the shot, if they're forecasting for one version and there's five different versions floating around or whatever, if I'm still going to get the flu, I'm going to get the flu. So give me one that takes care of all five or, or I'm just going to stop getting the thing. Well, you said you've been sick for two days. Right. Well, a full-on flu generally lasts like 12 days. So if you're getting well, better, then... Oh, no, I wouldn't say I'm getting better at all. <laughs> like I said, I've pumped myself up quite a bit for the show. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's you know, maybe it's a common cold. I don't know, but... Uh, maybe you're just he, a big old wuss. Hey, hey, I'm up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Up and whining. Yeah, yeah, whining, certainly. Yeah, this is my, uh, what I'm trying to, uh, uh, oh, what is it that a medium does? I'm trying to, uh, I'm thinking of Andy Rooney now. Exercise? Well, yeah, or channel. Uh, channel. There you oh, go. Okay. Thank you for You're the word. Channel. Yeah, I'm trying to channel my Andy Rooney right now. So. Uh, Did you ever get a yeah, it, So I'll apologize ahead of time because I'm likely to sound a little loopy or Maybe it'll be extra entertaining this show. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so Mark, um, uh, without a smooth segue at all, uh, we had an interesting weekend, right? And we did something fun and new on Saturday. You want to tell us about that? Well, uh, first, let me let me say. Oh yes. Th this. Okay, there's no way to say this without sounding judgmental. So just let me just put my judgmental hat on. I'm being okay. judgmental. Um, I've been listening to podcasts recently, which, you know, I do. Um, but I've been out and, you know, uh, anybody who's a, a an avid podcast listener knows that you go back and, and listen to 
uh, like ones you've uh, just caught up on and, and you go listening through. And then at some point you kind of run dry and you, you need more podcasts. So that's kind of the situation I've been in. I, I had been pumped up for a while. I've gone back and I've, I've listened to everything. So I've been out looking for new podcasts. And so I've been um, just kind of poking around for things that interest me. Podcasting, podcasts on podcasting or um, podcasts on um, education, you know, not so much of that, but some, you know, or, or just different things. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of really, really, really bad podcasts out there. It's amazing how many bad podcasts I listen to. And they're bad podcasts that are on like episode 395. You know, <laughs> right. they've been around a long time putting out bad stuff. And, you know, I don't, like I said, I'm just, just going to stipulate that I'm being judgmental here. I hope that we're not putting out bad stuff and don't know it. Cause right. These people all think they're doing good stuff right? and I listen to it and it's garbage. Like one of them was a podcast on how to podcast. And this guy was giving advice on how to podcast and he sounded terrible. Not only that, but everything he said, I thought, no, that's just wrong. That's just not right. What you just said to do isn't even possible. Um, but he's, well, again, that kind of backs up your theory, right? I mean, if, if he's giving bad advice and right. the podcast sounds horrible, then, and again, he's on like episode 175 or something. So right. he's been, you know, assuming it's weak. Maybe he's been cranking them out five days a week. I don't know, but it just, just a lot of bad stuff out there. So I say that to say, I hope we're not. <laughs> so let us know. And right. Maybe that's why we don't ever get a feedback. We're bad. <laughs> there's, there's not an audience out there to let us know. No, no, no. Because that always goes the other route, right? Like you get like 10 to one, you know, 10 bad, bad comments for every one good one. Yeah. So it was interesting. Cause one of the, in one of these bad podcasts, um, one of the episodes was on dealing with negative criticism. Okay. And, and I thought, um, you probably have a lot of negative criticism because you're not very good at what you do. <laughs> well, so he's got a lot of practice at it then. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> maybe that's like the one thing you should, you know, maybe he should do a podcast on that. <laughs> so, well, that he did. That's, that was a whole podcast. It was on dealing with negative criticism. And, and you know, he is, I'm sure, well-equipped to to talk about that. Right. So anyway, I, I, in in reaching for a segue, I hope that our newest show was not a bad co- podcast because uh, just well, I was going to go the other route, Mark, and I was going to say, okay, so let's go to the other <laughs> end of of that spectrum and talk about a great podcast. I, I hope it was. It was a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, right. As I mentioned, I believe on this show last week, uh, we've started a new podcast called The Periodic Table. It's where uh, different guests from uh, or different hosts rather from the Element Opie Network get together. And this week, for the very first time, I met, digitally met, uh, Eric Fay of the Hot Route. I've never right. seen him. I had never talked to him before uh, this day. And within, I don't know, half an hour, we were mortal enemies. And it was a heck of a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, you know, it, most of the hosts on our network, I would have to say, were kind of like uh, fall-in-line Republicans. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely uh, very conservative. Even I would call myself ultra fundamental in some cases, and he is. Interestingly, he doesn't call himself a liberal. But generally, when people don't call themselves a liberal, that's because they're too liberal to even notice it. Uh, right. Well, yeah, they they don't want to be uh, given a title. 
they're so unique that <laughs> they're not anything. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I said I don't think Michael Vick should have done time for killing dogs, and that was good for like half an hour of, of good radio. Yeah, he, he uh, you know, a, a show like that needs somebody like that. You you know, you can't have uh, a handful of guys sitting around talking about things and it, where everybody agrees. It's yeah. just boring. So anyway, I, I thought it was fun. Go check it out. It's on the on the website, uh, elementop.com, uh, periodic table. Click it. You, can, you don't even have to subscribe if you don't want to. You can just stream it right from there. A try before you buy. But if you do like it, you can subscribe to it. Yeah. Well, you know, we failed to really mention, though, I mean, the basic premise of it is just four guys talking about whatever the heck they want to talk about. Right. It's, uh, you know, we, we talk about specific subjects on each of our shows. This show is about tech and, and, and education. And, and then we have the show about uh, classroom teachers and we have a show about fitness. And, and But uh, we get all these guys together and we I'm sure we'll talk about those things because that's what we're uh, passionate about and where our expertise lay. But uh, the idea is just to talk about uh, politics and, and religion and, uh, you know, good movies and bad movies and just whatever is on our minds. And it's a real, I mean, we must have hit 50 topics in that hour and a half yesterday, just bouncing around from one thing to another. Yeah, what was funny is we had to, I mean, we had to make an effort to cut it off because right. we, we could have gone on for probably three hours. Yeah. I think it's going to turn out to be one of those hour and a half to two hour a week shows. Right. So right. if you want to join us live for that, that's Saturday afternoons at 5 PM central time. You can join us live. And, and, uh, in fact, we had a guy call in on Skype. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to say everybody can do that, but you can certainly jump in the chat room and, and, uh, make your voice heard. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that would be kind of fun to do, Mark, is if, if we do have somebody in the chat room and they're really kind of making some interesting points or whatever, you know, right there in the chat room, we can exchange Skype info and, and actually Just kind of do up. a call-in show. So uh, that'd be fun. Yeah, there's nothing dangerous about that at all. No, not at all. So if you think <laughs> at least we, we do, don't have the FCC to worry about. If you think we do good podcasts and you want to let other people know that we do good podcasts, there's a great place where you can do that. It's the EduBlog Awards. And I'm going to let Sean fill this in because he's very passionate about the EduBlog Awards. Yeah, I love the EduBlog Awards. Uh, it's something near and dear to our hearts. These are awards that are geared towards um, – just educators that are, uh, I'm going to say putting the word out, right? It, it covers uh, blogs, uh, best uh, tweeter. So, you know, the, the educator that's got the best Twitter feed. And um, so anybody in, in education that's kind of getting the word out. And uh, they do have, uh, uh, last year they had an actual uh, award for best education podcast. Now, looking at the categories this year, I don't see anything that specific, um, but they do specifically say, you know, nominate your favorite uh, education podcast. So um, basically, uh, it's a two-step process. First, you have to be nominated, and then from those nominations, they, they call out, uh, I guess, the best or maybe the most nominated or whatever, and uh, then they create a short list. And from there, then you go into round two, and that's where actual voting occurs. Uh, the, the best education podcast last year was a, a podcast actually out of Australia. And I think it only took like uh, 400 votes, something like that. Right. That was the uh, Ed for Tech them crew. to win. Right. What's that? The Ed Tech crew. And I, I've started listening to them since uh, they won that. And uh, yeah, they're, they're uh, uh, an interesting show. 
Uh, but yeah, it didn't take much to win it. Right, exactly. So uh, given our download numbers and our listenership, uh, if hopefully if we can get some great participation there, uh, we could take that thing down. Certainly would at least like to get a nomination. Uh, one, it helps promote the show. So if we, it, you know, this will be the first year that we are, are actually making this push. Last year, uh, we really basically just missed it. I mean, we, um, I was aware of it before that, but really didn't think about getting our show nominated. And by the time we thought about it, uh, it was already over with. So uh, this will be our first year uh, trying to push it. And uh, so uh, we're going to give you a link. Uh, it'll certainly be on the show notes, but uh, check out edgyblogawards.com slash nominations. Um, if you can go there, uh, you'll get a, a basically directions on how to nominate the show. Uh, yeah, all you have you to make do, a post somewhere. And link. Right. Make a blog post somewhere. It's got to be on a public uh, on a public site, so something that you know the public can access, and uh, just basically talk about how much you love our show and uh, why we should be nominated. You can even come to our forum if you don't have a place to put it. Make a post on our forum and link to it if you want. Right. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so that's so, the, uh, the the first step. We need to get. Uh, you know, you don't have to have multiple nominations. I guess if a single nomination is written well enough, then that could get us in. But uh, multiple nominations certainly would help. So, uh, any anybody out there listening, um, you know, if you'd like to support the show, this is probably the most effective way you can do it, uh, aside from donating. <laughs> so, uh, so please go out there and uh, you know make a blog post about us and talk about how great we are. Uh, they have a requirement that you, you have to link back to the edge of blog awards and, and they give you instructions on exactly how to do it. So, uh, but it's not too terribly difficult. So, um, give us those nominations. Yeah. Uh, last year there was specifically a podcast award this year. It's best educational use of audio visual or podcast. So I don't know, we may be stretching a little bit, but it certainly can't hurt to be, nominated it's not right and they do say i mean they do say specifically you know nominate your favorite uh podcast among other things so um yeah i, I think that's that's really the best one that we would fit into there's a couple of different um you know because i was thinking too you know there's best open professional development unconference webinar series which we're not really technically any of those but you know well we could definitely be considered professional development or at least we strive to be i'll put it that way Right, right. And and so there's a, you know, it's just, they did the, the categories a little differently this year. So it's a little, um, you know, it's a little tough to say exactly where we fit in there, but. So anyway, on to the topic at hand, tech staffing. How do you know if you have enough techs for your number of students or your number of computers? There's a couple of different ways to look at that. So uh, right. Sean, what, what are the numbers you came up with and, and from where? Well, first, I want to say for this show, we are talking pure tech. So, you know, just to de define what we're talking about, um, we're not talking about instructional technologists or, you know, uh, different schools will do it differently. Some will have like lead teachers that kind of, you know, help out here and there and things like that. Um, we're not talking about that. We're talking about pure professional techs that, um, that that's all they do. Right, not instructional technologists or or track training staff, but just people who repair stuff that is electronically oriented. That pretty much right, exactly. And uh, you know, the first thing that I, I really got to thinking as I was developing out the show notes was, 
you know, I came from the corporate world before education. And so I was kind of curious, like how the two stack up against. I pulled those numbers and uh, from a couple different sources, but they, they pretty much seem to be um, kind of fall in line. Uh, so corporate ratios run uh, roughly one tech per every, oh, eight to 10, all the way on up to uh, a little over 100 staff. And and those numbers are listed as staff. So I thought that was kind of interesting because, um, well, we'll get into it later, but I'm not sure that that's the best ratio to use anyway. But, but uh, just for a means of comparison. So, you know, anywhere from roughly 10 to 100, uh, you're going to have one tech person. And in education, um, and I pulled numbers from a couple of governmental studies that were done, and uh, they're ranging anywhere from 0.9, so a little bit less than one tech per thousand, um, all the way down to almost uh, just over a point, well, we'll just say 0.6 per thousand. Students. Or is it students and staff? Users. 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 Okay. So teachers and students. Um, now, what I find interesting here when I look at these numbers is in a corporate environment, you're often much more likely to have a one-to-one in terms of computers. Every every desk at a call center is going to have uh, a computer. Every executive is going to have a computer. You know, only only maybe in a factory situation would you not have people using computers. So right. I think that's why those numbers are so very uh, much skewed toward having more tax because oh they, sure and assuming, you know you also can get into um, you know talking about uh, um, you know there's a very it's very easy to equate a hard dollar impact to a company when uh, a worker is not productive for an amount of time so uh, when I was in the corporate world we very often would use numbers like you know uh, we, uh, if our entire call center goes down, then we're losing a million dollars in the hour, you know, and, and we, we've done the homework to come up with that number. So we, we have those type of figures to compare back to. So therefore it's a lot easier to justify a higher ratio. Right. Um, but in the end, basically what it's getting down to is, uh, you're providing a certain service level. So on the corporate side, the absolute highest possible service level is generally what you're going after because it's going to impact your bottom line very seriously. Uh, that doesn't necessarily equate in education. So I want to put that out there is that, you know, these numbers, um, are very far apart from each other, but, um, you know, there is, there is a very real reason for that. Um, I still tend to think that they're a little too far apart. I mean, when it's uh, basically a, a 10 or 20 fold difference, then uh, I, I think there's something that we probably have to look at. Well, you know, again, if you look at in terms of devices, and I see you've got some of those numbers coming later, uh, in right. a traditional classroom will have 20 to 30 users and a single classroom device. So a 20 right. fold ratio actually makes sense in that regard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I guess that, well, well, we'll get into that because I think that the next, the next kind of phase that I want to move into is really, you know, what kind of questions do you ask yourself when you try to formulate a game plan for this, right? Um, you don't just go and kind of fly by the seat of your pants. I'm sure some districts do <laughs> do that, but, um, you know, most districts are going to be 
you know, uh, they're going to do their homework and uh, come up with some sort of a game plan. Um, but this is such a common question that, uh, you know, Mark, we've seen asked time and again throughout the years. And it's, it seems like, you know, like this holy grail, like everybody wants a standard. Yeah, and most and, of the time when somebody asks that question, it's to justify adding a person or keeping a person. And, you know, like, like I said at the beginning of the show, with, with budgets being cut across the board in education, people are literally having to justify their jobs. And it seems to me that, in you know, just in my observation, that the tech people are getting cut first. Um, and maybe that's understandable. If, you're, if you, you have a choice between an English teacher and a, and a tech... Yeah, I would probably agree with cutting the tech, but so it, it it there there is this issue. But like you brought up, there's the level of service. At some point, uh, you're going to start negatively impacting your users. Well, yeah, and, and you know, ultimately, um, and of course, we'll get at this, but you know, it, the bottom line is going to be is going to revolve around um, really what your philosophy is in your district. You know, if you're going to stand up and say that you know, uh, tech using technology in um you know in education in the way that uh that you your teachers teach and everything is a top priority which a lot of districts are preaching right now then you know you have to stand behind that you can't give a horrible level of service and then say that you're really effectively using technology in education yeah, BJ so, in the chat room points out that uh in education uh there tend to be a wider range of platforms a wider range of software supported where in the corporate world you have your, you know, your POS software or your call center software, and then your basic office suite, and that's pretty much it. Um, right. In the education realm, you're supporting a huge array of every little tutorial or or test or uh, you know standardized this or that. Uh, it's a it, it's a more complex environment with more users often um, and fewer techs supporting it. Right, right. Yeah, and and definitely, you know, again, we get back at service level, but it's 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 horribly different in education, the service level. And uh it's not because of the techs. The techs uh, again, they have to generally have a wider base of knowledge. So the techs in education in my experience are actually overall better. Um you know, they have a greater knowledge across more platforms, so uh, you well, know, I like to think so. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, kudos to all you uh, edutech guys out there and, and ladies. Um, but uh, again, just to I, I guess let's get back to uh, maybe the questions that you really need to ask, um, because, you know, every environment is different. But, uh, you know, first, what ratios are important? So I see tech like text to users thrown around a lot. And in my personal opinion, that's a worthless number. Um, and again, Mark, you, you even touched on that. You know, you can have a classroom of 25 students and uh, in one scenario, there's 25 computers in that classroom. In another scenario, there's one. And that might be the teacher computer. So really there's, you know, those students are not users. So, uh, yeah, to me, if you're not talking about text to the number of devices that you're supporting, um, and that's just a basic metric, then uh, you're already kind of going in the wrong direction. I agree. Those are potential users, 
you know, and, and, uh, you know, it's in, in our situation, I think in a lot of schools, every, every user has their own credentials. So there is some overhead to having users, even if they're not on devices every day, but I think overall it's an overly used metric. Right. Right. Um, and then, you know, you got to ask yourself, what area of expertise do you need to cover? Um, and to what degree? So, uh, you know, are you just simply wanting to have computers in the classroom that, that users can use, or are you going to have this far flung network with, uh, uh, you know, an interactive website and, uh, you know, uh, what is it? The, uh, student databases and things like this that, that, you know, most schools are using now. So you have to look at really not just, you know, number of devices that you have to support, but what kind of functions do you have to support as well? Right. I mean, that's where you spend most of your time, right, Mark? Right. And as an, uh, again, uh, BJ points this out in the chat room and I was just about to say the same thing. There's a difference between, uh, the support tech and the network admin, the network admin is concerned about the number of users, the size of his database, the number of email accounts, things like that. And it matters less how many devices he has. So yeah, it really depends on what job you have as to which of those numbers is most important. Right. Um, and then, you know, probably most importantly, but you know, what level of support do you want to provide to your, to all of your users? And uh, when I t say that, you know, on that scale, you have to even consider the public. You've got to talk about, uh, you know, your your uh, parents and uh, and just the public at large. You know, how do you want to interact with them, and um, you know, what level of experience do you want them to have, and what's important to you? And I think you need to de you need to define that before you dig at anything else, because it's easy to go in after the fact and say, well, we can only spend X dollars. Right. And in in, I, in uh, education theory, we call that benchmarking. You set a benchmark for what you want your ideal graduate to look like, and then you write your curriculum accordingly. And you should do the same thing in terms of education. What, what are the tech skills and experiences that you want your graduating senior to have? You need to build your tech plan backwards accordingly. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, Again, it, it, in funny times like this, when people are um, thinking strictly about the dollars, um, they get away from that. And so you have to really decide, you know, uh, which one do you want to serve? Uh, because then I, I think then you can make a better informed decision when you're actually in that position where you're having to decide, do I let a tech go or do I let a teacher go? And... Um, you know, not to say that one is is right over the other. I mean, it's going to depend on your unique situation. But if you're not doing that, just like you said, Mark, working backwards into that number, um, then you're doing it wrong. Um, you know, what level of access to technology do you want to provide? You know, how many devices to students? So a big push right now is one-to-one, -one, right? Like everybody is going after that holy grail. Right. That's been a push for a long time to have a one-to-one -one environment. And what's interesting is some of the numbers coming out of schools that have one-to-one, -one, they're saying that it's not, it's not a panacea, you know, surprise, surprise, computers don't teach kids. Um, you still need teachers and you still need policies and you still need um, other things, you know, like that. 
Uh, and uh, a lot of times we throw tech at a problem and expect that to solve the problem. And so one-to-one isn't necessarily the uh, Shangri-La of education that uh, uh, it was thought it might be. Right, right. And it's um, it's really kind of sad because that's a push from the top down. I mean, even from the White House, and I looked at some uh, uh, one report in particular that was prepared for the president, and uh, technology is always attacked that way, is we just need to get more money and more technology in front of these kids and magically will rise back up to the, the top of the education world. Um, and it's sad to see the problem attacked that way. Um, but regardless, you, you've got to come up for a plan with a, a, a plan of action within your district and, and really think that process through and, know what that means to you so that when you have the tougher decisions down the road to make, uh, you know, you're doing that based on a good foundational knowledge of, you know, what's important to your district. Um, let's see, uh, another one, uh, important that I think a lot of people overlook, or at least they don't think of until late in the process is what's the, con- what is the condition of the devices that you have deployed or that you will be deploying? Well, that goes back to our discussion um, recently about uh, obsolescence and, and what that really means. Uh, we champion the cause of keeping things around, but things that are older do have more problems and require more babysitting. So it, you're right. It is a, uh, a double-edged sword that, that, that you need to be aware of. Right. And then, you know, you can take that one step further and, and, and you have to really weigh um, you know, if we're going to go with, uh, we're going to only lease devices and for two years and, um, and go that way. Well, you know, maybe you incur quite a bit of an extra expense doing it that way, but you're saving money on, you know, uh, tech salaries on the other side of that equation. So you have to look at it, uh, you know, for your own unique situation and, and make that decision. And hopefully you do some homework and put some numbers behind that. I certainly would. Um, but I can say, you know, there where you were, when we were working together, Mark, um, uh, it was really eye-opening because I think, you know, certainly we were saving probably the equivalent of my salary every year. So I would have to think that that was at least a wash. I would hope, yes. Right. <laughs> you know, that's that's what this whole part, podcast started out as, is uh, applying the tightwad principles uh, and, and the idea of doing more with less, you do, you spend less, you do more. And that's, that's what we've, you know, that's been our mantra all along and you can do it. And, and we are doing it every day myself and and, and listeners and, and people out there listening to this podcast are doing it every day. They're doing more with less. Yeah. And I, I actually, uh, towards the end here, I'll have some very interesting numbers, uh, uh, having worked in two very different scenarios now uh, that actually kind of back that up. So uh, I'll, I'll wrap up with that towards the end. Uh, moving along, though. Can you tell uh, Sean's done all the prep on this one and I just kind of sat down? <laughs> it's all here. Right. Hey, that's okay. You, We've had plenty that have gone the other way. <laughs> uh, so uh, what type of environment are you operating in? Uh, we know people who don't want to have servers. Right, Mark? Absolutely. They want everything to be in the cloud. Right. And, and you there, know. there's That says something. There's a lot of merit to that model. 
Right. Right. I mean, there's, you know, much less to manage. Um, and they go with all Apple products and, uh, you know, things of that nature. So there's districts that are approaching that question in a variety of different manners. And again, we're not here to talk about which one is right or wrong. Uh, but you need to, you know, you certainly need to take that into account when you're talking about, well, what does my technology staff need to look like? And not only that, but you need to forecast that forward because uh, the districts are almost always in a kind of a state of flux when it comes to this. You know, technology is always changing. So where do we want to be five years from now? Do we really want to make a big push towards having as much as we can in the cloud? Uh, if so, then you may be looking at a situation where, you know, over a five or 10 year plan, you're, you are looking at reducing your tech staff. Yeah. Let's uh, take uh, the Google Chromebooks, for example, let's say you wanted to do your one-to-one -one de deployment with that. Um, you don't need much of a server uh, infrastructure at all. You need uh, Wi-Fi, you need uh, a network and you need good bandwidth. At that point, you have pretty much outsourced everything else. Plus, uh, those things, um, you I forget how it works, but you lease them for three or four years or something like that, like that. So that handles your refresh cycle, too. And so it could be a very viable way to go. You, you give every kid a Chromebook, and Google is your IT department, and you just pay one guy to sort of keep the lights blinking, and, and that, you know, that's, that makes sense. But on the other hand, if you want everything in-house and you want everything on big iron, you're going to have to pay for the expertise to run that. So it kind of depends on what you want to do. Right, right. Um, moving along, uh, have you thought about, you know, your management staff to your line level staff, I guess, ratio? Uh, so that's, again, something else that you have to look at um, because that's going to play into your overall numbers. And, of course, the management staff is going to be your larger salaries and, so, you know, by dollar, that's going to push uh, your ratios up significantly. So, I am in you know, favor again, of paying you've gotta, managers a lot of money. Just I'd like what, to say that. I'm, what's that? I'm in favor of paying managers and tech directors a lot of money because I am well, one. <laughs> well, certainly. And if, you know, a, a good tech manager and even um, pretty much most people in your tech staff or a lot of people in your tech staff um, – their level of expertise should make up for the difference in uh, what you're paying them. So, you know, Mark, your salary, uh, just based off of the level of access to technology that you're able to provide to that school, um, a, a lesser person, uh, you know, they could hire a lesser person in there making, uh, you know, maybe 60% of what you're making, but, they're going to lose out in the end. I mean, the equation there would be horribly skewed. So, you I know, think paying 60 somebody. Of what I'm making is less than minimum wage. I'm not sure they could get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, my point's still made. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I hate to see that where, uh, it, you know, especially in, in the, the management realm where um, they look to, uh, cut those positions. I mean, sometimes you certainly do have some fat to trim, um, and you know that needs to happen. But you oftentimes, I think, should really look at the individual that's in that spot first and say, you know, is it the position that I don't need, or is it that person that I don't need? So, 
Um, and again, maybe you make them justify their own existence, <laughs> which Mark, I know you would have no problem doing. Right. I hope not anyway, because right. I'm the only guy. So <laughs> it's not hard to justify the one guy. Yeah. That house of cards would come down uh, pretty bad. <laughs> um, and then, uh, the last item that I had is, you know, do you have any performance metrics? So have you really dug down and, um, you know, decided like, uh, you know, we want, um, let's say a teacher machine is down, you know, we want that situation to exist for how long, what is acceptable to us? Is it okay that the, if that teacher's computer goes down, that it's down for a week? I mean, I would hope that most districts would say no, uh, but you can't take it to the corporate level either, right? Where in the corporate level, a number like that might be 10 minutes. Right. It's so hard to come up with those metri metrics in education because we don't produce a widget. You know, right. we, we produce a student after 13 years. You know, the the development cycle of our product is very, very long and it's hard to break that down. And, and um, you know, I kind of envy business in that and that they have those hard ROI numbers, you know, return on investment. And oftentimes your your school board, which may be farmers, you know, they're not going to understand and you're not going to be able to give them anything to understand. So I think that um, you got to go back to these other things about, uh, you know, the type of environment and the type of devices to, to make your justifications more than performance. Well, uh, you know, one thing that I would do if I was really trying to dig at that number is kind of one, get at that number. And this is not something that you can achieve overnight. I mean, I don't even think you can achieve it over the course of a year. Um, it may take you multiple years before you really get good numbers to work with, but um, you certainly can track situations like that. You know, we had teachers that um, couldn't use the technology in their classroom for X amount of days or whatever. And uh, so you can come up with some sort of an average number and, um, and then decide, you know, is, is that okay with us? You know, do we need to improve upon that? Um, you know, and a lot of districts will do, uh, surveys, right? So kind of really trying to get at, you know, well, how do the teachers feel about the situation? Is it truly impacting their instruction? Uh, so there's, there's a lot of different ways that you can get at numbers that are important to you. And I think you need to one, decide what is important to you and then track that over time. And uh, you need, I would say at least a few years worth of data to to really start making some decisions on so um you know these are things that you need to decide now and decide what's important to you and then start looking at okay these are things that are important to us now let's watch that over time because those numbers aren't really going to tell you much when you first pull them or you know however you develop those numbers but as you watch them over time then you'll start to get a feel for um you know, if our teachers, let's just, you know, somehow you come up with a, uh, they're 70% satisfied with the level of, uh, the performance of technology in their classroom. Well, if, if you can get at a good number and you, you're working a good system and you can watch that over time and you can say, you know, over the last three or four years, this is how it's trended and it's gotten worse. And, you know, we've seen now, uh, you know, performance go down and, uh, with regards to how the students are performing and then decide whether there's a correlation there. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Of course, I would completely overthink it to death, but 
but I think you need to you need to start coming up with something, something that is going to give you the information. Uh, you can't just uh, do what I see a lot of schools do, which is go out there and basically ask everybody else, well, you know, what are you doing? What What is your ratio? And, and you can't apply somebody else's ratio to your situation because every district is different. I agree. And those are these are different difficult numbers to come up with. It's hard to quantify these things. Um, and as uh, BJ in the chat room points out, that by the time you've got all that data, you may have a whole new set of software and hardware and equipment that you have to account for. But uh, oh, certainly, it, it is something. But I, that I think that's why you go for global type of numbers. You know, it's something that's because regardless of the changing environment. Um, you know, you're still going to see like if, if teachers are satisfied with, you know, the level of access and the performance of technology in the classroom, um, regardless of how things change over time, uh, you're going to you're going to have a feel for how things are going. You're, you're going to know that, uh, you know, things have gotten worse over the past few years and, and then start looking at, well, why is that? And uh, and then you can start looking at, well, you know, does that tie back to my staffing? You know, if if teachers' computers are, are constantly down and the network's constantly down and and you're hearing that from the teachers, the teachers are saying that it's impacting uh, the performance in the class, then, uh, you know, then you at least get a feel for things and you know when it's time to make a change. So, talking about different environments, I threw together, and Mark, I, I'm hoping that my numbers for you were roughly accurate? Uh, more or less. Okay. Yeah, I thought they were. I mean, that's kind of operating off a of memory from uh, when I was there. But um, I'm going to throw some stuff out there about where I'm working now. And these are just basic numbers. And then uh, we're going to compare those to marks. But um, I don't I don't know that. I, well, maybe I will break it down by detail there. Uh, so we have one overall kind of uh, suit administrator. And we're talking about just the tech department. And then we have a lead engineer who's also kind of an administrative type and three support engineers. And uh, when I say engineers, these are the people that are working in the, in the server room uh, one way or another, you know, uh, deploying software and things of that nature. But um, then we have uh, a department admin who takes care of all the paperwork and purchasing and a help desk manager and then six technicians. And so that is a total of 13 uh, technology staff, pure tech, and we have uh, s approximately 6,000 devices and approximately 10,000 students. So uh, the ratios, uh, devices to students is about 0.6 to 1, so uh, we certainly have a way to go before we're 1 to 1. And the ratio of tech to devices is 1 for every 461. Now, that's actually not that bad. I, I tend to think that that's probably not a bad number. Uh, the thousand to one seemed like a little bit like it was a little outrageous. But, um, you know, uh, my overall feel for what our level of, uh, of support is and, you know, the uh, user experience, I would say is not that bad. So it seems like it's a decent number to me. Um. <laughs> Mark's side <laughs> is that number right Mark one yeah one well yeah, okay. one point 
I have a high school graduate eight hours a week. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So yeah, one point something. Um, and I put one administrator hyphen tech hyphen trainer hyphen engineer hyphen admin. (laughs) So you're doing it all now. Yeah. Uh, 900 devices, approximately 600 students. Um, and probably what, 700 users if you threw teachers in there, Mark? Uh, about that, yeah. Right. Um, and so ratio of devices to students is 1.5 to 1. Yeah, so, so we have more tech than we have students. That's unusual, but uh, that's the, right. the way we built our network. And over double what the ratio at my uh, at my district is. And the ratio of, of uh, tech to devices is uh, 1 to oh, 900. Right. That was pretty easy math. <laughs> But when you were here, it was one to four hundred and fifty, which is puts us slightly better than where you are now. Right. I mean, you know, that's what was really surprising to me is that uh, given extremely different environments. Okay, so I work for a a wealthy district now and a much larger district, and uh, I came from a poor and very small district. And yet these numbers work out uh, very close uh, to the same. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and I also think that, you know, looking at both, I would say the level of support is roughly the same. So that was also very interesting to me is, you know, that ratio worked out. It seems like, you know, the the satisfaction level with the technology um and its use seems to be roughly the same. Um, but what I also found very interesting, you know, so you would think that the dollar numbers would probably work out to be fairly similar, but the level of access to technology where you're at, Mark, is significantly, I mean, it's more than double. Right. So that's kind of where we go back to, is the tightwad tech way the the better way? Yeah, we have uh, had a funny situation arrive. Uh, uh, one one of our labs of of the oldest equipment uh, hasn't been working for a while, and and it's a problem that uh, Sean and I have uh, been you know dealt with before he left, and I still haven't resolved it uh, since he left. But I was talking with the uh, um, superintendent about that. He was you know how do we resolve this situation and. And I was explaining the situation to him, and but it was it, we had kind of a funny moment when it was, uh, well, you know, this is lab number seven in your building that isn't working. You you still have six that are working, and in this particular building there are twelve teachers. So, you know, twelve teachers, six labs working. Um, so even when the whole lab goes down, it, when you look at it in terms of ratios, uh, we're in still pretty good shape. I know a lot of schools that have a lab, you know, for twelve middle school teachers. Right. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, um, of course, primarily working in, uh, in the elementary level, but, uh, we'll have, uh, per campus, we'll have one lab and then, uh, like three laptop cards that they check out. Uh, but that's across, oh, I'm going to say somewhere around 30 classrooms. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, the ratios are, are quite a bit lower and, um, 
And you yes, know, it BJ, is what we, it is. We do spend more time on my older equipment. He, he asked in the chat room, how about older equipment? Uh, we do spend more time on the older equipment. That's true. And I, I've said that from the beginning. But what I think we're, Sean has demonstrated here is that the results in the end uh, are worth it. We have a greater level of access, uh, even if it uh, is cantankerous old equipment that we have to spend more time with. Well, sure. And, you know, if you really, if you want to go with that argument, you can go in and again, I say, you know, develop the numbers yourself, you know, uh, come work up some metrics that you want to measure. But in the end, um, you know, let's say you have a tech that you're paying, I don't know, uh, I, I guess it could vary widely, but let's just throw out uh, $35,000 a year. And, you know, you can break that down to an hourly rate. And, you know, so if if that tech is spending, um, you know, if you broke it down across the devices that he's maintaining and he's, he's keeping working, right? So we're getting an extra X amount of years out of our hardware. Uh, you can get at some very real dollar amounts. Um, and I think what you're going to find is that, uh, and, and, you know, I can already say it has proven out there, Mark, is that it's amazingly cost effective to do it that way. Uh, because now you're not buying new hardware and, uh, you know, you're extending that or in the case where you're at Mark, um, I think you're extending the access to the technology. So you could go about that a couple of different ways. You can extend the access to the technology or, um, if you were more worried about the service level, then you you maybe do phase out that older stuff, but you maintain a higher level of service across a, a newer fleet, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, you can go out and do the numbers. I, I can say this, that certainly there uh, we were able to do just that is extend the access to the technology more so than anywhere else that I've seen. I haven't seen anybody that has been able to demonstrate a higher level. I don't know anybody out there that's doing 1.5 to one other and than you. I just like it to uh, be known that he doesn't work for me any, anymore. He doesn't have to suck up. This is all voluntary <laughs> right. suck up. It's happening here. <laughs> right. Right. And you know, um, where I'm at now, you know, it's, uh, you, yes, we are somewhat spoiled because it's a much newer fleet and, we phase out older stuff and, um, but it's also amazing how much, how much time we do spend, uh, still servicing the newer stuff and the newer platforms and, you know, these things that supposedly come with support. Well, you know, if I'm, uh, spending in, you know, an hour or two on the line with support, then I, to me, what good is that support? So. Should I get off my, my soapbox no, no, now? Yeah. Let's move on. You found some uh, tools that we'll uh, post in the uh, show notes, but why don't you run down those uh, uh, list of uh, tools and information that you found? Well, yeah. One, I want to say um, when this conversation comes up, and we often see it uh, in uh, you know with different tech directors talking either through email or whatever, uh, they always seem at a loss to come up with information. I don't understand it. Uh, you're a tech director. Use Google. It's, it's not that difficult. I came up with some great reports that were, uh, you know, made by uh, either state or, or uh, national or the national government um, where they got in and they did some very widespread studies 
And that, so all the, the information is there and one that can help you in determining what your overall game plan is going to be. Um, so the information's out there. It's very easily accessible. And uh, if you're just lazy, you can go to uh, our show notes and uh, some of the links that I used will be posted there. So uh, for those studies that I pulled up. Uh, and I also want to mention that ISTE uh, has a it has a pretty cool tool. So you can actually go on to ISTE's site and uh, they kind of have a, um, a questionnaire for you to fill out. So you'd need some very specific numbers about your district uh, demographically and, uh, and I think maybe even budget wise, but, uh, you can go in and fill, fill this thing out and walk through the, it basically has a whole process for you to go through and it will help you get at some of these numbers. So, uh, I thought that was a pretty cool tool and I'd never heard of it before, but, uh, wanted to go ahead and include it in the show notes as well. And that's the International Society for Technology Education, I-S-T-E, in case you want. Right. So, yeah, if you're out there and you're wrestling with these things, you know, the resources are out there. Um, you know, I hear people all the time freaking out. And, you know, I, I think it seems like such a monumental task. And it is a big task. But, you know, if you're the one having to come up with these numbers, you're an administrator and you get paid well to do it. So do it. Now I can stop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, having said that, if you don't have anything else, we'll move on to the uh, tips of the week. And I'll start out with my tech tip, which is uh, a cool tool with a lame name. Uh, and that is uh, the Komodo Programs Manager. Okay. Uh, but what uh, we've talked uh, before about a couple of tools. I think Revo Uninstaller I've mentioned before. Uh, oh, yeah. This, this is a, uh, a an installer slash uninstaller. Uh, it's a, a more granular control than what windows gives you it's a windows tool only but it's a it gives you more granular control of what uh, windows does for example when you uninstall something it can fully uninstall it and remove the drivers and remove the service you know it just doesn't uh, rip out the registry files and leave it at that oftentimes uninstallers are lazy and don't do much and uh particularly if you're doing like a snap-in with Fog, you want to make sure you, if you mess it up, you want to undo everything and go back and start over again. So uh, Komodo Programs Manager is a free tool that uh, helps you do that. Very nice. A link in the show notes. Yeah, we love to have tools like that. Especially free ones. Right. All right, well, I'll jump in here with the teacher tip, and uh, this one is just pure fun. And a, and a greatest uh, name ever. Yeah, Dramino's. So D R A W M I N O S, uh, and uh, it, it's just like you probably would guess from the name. It is a virtual dominoes, uh, like the knock them down type, like set them up and knock them down uh, online. Uh, so uh, let me see. Uh, look at my link here. So it's dramanos.com and uh, you, it's dead simple. I mean, this the site it just gives you a couple of tools. You can uh, grab these dominoes and set them up the way you want, and set them up in neat patterns. And they'll, you can even put like little marbles in there so that maybe the domino hits the marble and goes rolls somewhere and then hits another one. So you know, I've seen a lot of things like this where basically, I guess the idea is to teach kids uh, some basic physics, right? Um, but I think it's just dead fun. Uh, <laughs> well, so. it could be physics. It could be uh, uh, 
cause and event, you know, uh, particularly if, uh, I mean, cause and effect for early kids, uh, cause or relationships, right. predicting what might happen. Uh, there's a lot of educational value in that. Plus, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I always think, you know, it, it, you can't just uh, totally overwhelm kids with uh, the analytical, right? You got to, especially the younger ones, you got to let them have some fun every now and then uh, to kind of let them uh, blow off some steam, uh, maybe particularly after uh, some heavy testing periods and things like that. So uh, this is a way that they can get in there and play. And I guarantee you they're going to love it because I couldn't stop doing it for like, I played with it for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so um, go check it out. It's like three dimensional. Once you get them all set up, it's, it's, it's just very cool. So dramanos.com. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, we have our website at elementop.com where we have forums there where you can check out, uh, um, you can communicate with other people, you can make your uh, entry into the Edu Blogger Awards there if you want to. Uh, you can uh, get together with other people, other tightwads just like you who are doing more with less. You can also find our other podcasts there that hopefully don't suck. Uh, and if you want to contact <laughs> us, there's a contact us link there that'll send us an email. Or you can uh, leave us a voicemail right there from the page. Or if you uh, are driving that right now and, and want to pick up the phone and call us, that number is 559-I-AM-OPIE, uh, O-P-I-E. Dial that. Uh, leave us a voicemail, and we'll play it on the show. You can also find us at the usual suspect in terms of uh, social networks, uh, twitter.com slash elementop, facebook.com slash elementop, or search plus elementop on Google+. Plus. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're everywhere <laughs> we try to be we want to be i want to be like uh walmart I, I want you to have to drive past one of our sites to get anywhere else on the web that's <laughs> that, that analogy didn't work very well did it <laughs> hey that's fine <laughs> yeah i actually uh uh used that um the number just uh, oh sometime in the last week uh, because I love listening to one meal one workout uh, that one really you know works for me and uh, so I was kind of thinking of it and I was driving home and was thinking you know we're always putting that number out there and I'm a listener of that show I don't have anything to do with that show I'm just purely a listener and so I dialed the number and left a left a voicemail and um, I received a response from uh, Aaron, the the host of that show, uh, just thanking me for you know for the kind words, and uh, so that was kind of neat. It was neat to interact. So uh, get out there and interact. It's easy, especially the number. I mean, you dial it up and leave a voicemail. It can't get much easier than that. That's right. And I carried through on my threat just this week to uh, put somebody on the air when they called into uh, Everyday Linux. Oh, did you really? I did. I love it. All right. So, Sean, did this show suck? No, it didn't suck. Good. But I'm, I really just can't wait to get back to bed. I got to <laughs> I gotta be honest. <laughs> he looks pretty rough, I'm going to say. He's, he's barely sitting up straight. Right. <laughs> but it was a great show. Okay. Now, having said those two great words from Sean Keibel, that therefore ends this show. And so I am Mark signing off. And Sean signing off.